bitter taste receptors in our lungs. Could they be the bodyguards of our airways? Tune in to find out only here on the People Scientist Podcast. to the People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking, to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 82, where every week I arm us with some scientific evidence so we can all be a little bit smarter and healthier every week. How is your day going so far? Whether you are listening while commuting, cleaning, going for a walk, I hope I can brighten up your day even just a little bit. As the weeks go on, more of you are tuning in, and I'm very grateful for that. I started this podcast with the intent of bringing some scientific evidence to my family and friends so that they could be a little bit smarter and healthier with every episode. So the fact that more and more of you are listening and becoming a part of the People Scientist Army makes me so happy. That keeps me motivated to make an episode every week. I will admit that some weeks it is tough for me to take the time to research a topic thoroughly and to summarize it so that it can be understood by everyone. But you, yes, you listening right now, you are my motivation. So thank you for that. So how about we jump into today's episode? I have been wanting to do this topic for a long time, actually, because ever since I came across an article in the journal Scientific American a few years back. It has been a topic that absolutely fascinated me. So as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. It was only about 10 years ago that scientists realized taste receptors, like the taste receptors that detect bitterness, were found to be expressed in our body outside of our mouth. For example, bitter taste receptors have been detected in our lungs and airways. This boggled the mind of scientists because our lungs are not coming into contact with food. So why would we have taste receptors in our lungs? Well, it turns out that the taste receptors have a much more important role than just detecting bitterness from foods and drinks. In fact, the bitter taste receptors in our lungs play a very important role in the immune response, particularly to bacteria, and are important in the inflammatory pathways or the inflammation in the airways, for example, in the context of asthma and rhinosinusitis. Because of this, scientists have investigated using bitter compounds as a potential new treatment to promote lung health. Now, the data is preliminary and has been limited to just preclinical research, but so far it looks very promising 
that a new therapy for chronic respiratory illness like asthma or COPD could include inhalation of bitter compounds. Now, let's get into the scientific details. The bitter taste receptors are a very exciting field of research right now, and I predict, I call it right now, that in about five to 10 years, we are going to see a huge amount of data on bitter taste receptors as new targets for several different diseases. And I'll explain why in this episode. Now let's bring it back to the beginning of the taste receptors. The taste receptors in our mouth and on our tongue are thought to be there to act as gatekeepers. They send signals to our brain that will tell us to either keep eating something because it is good and we need it to survive, or the taste receptor signal to our brain, no, this is harmful, stop eating it. And I talked about this a bit back in episode 59 and how using sour and bitter tasting things may be useful to curb appetite and food cravings. But generally speaking, sweet, salty, and umami tastes signal to our brain to continue eating because sweetness signals carbohydrates, saltiness signals the presence of electrolytes, and umami signals the presence of protein. And our body can use all of these things for energy or to stay healthy. Whereas very sour taste may signal spoiled food, and very bitter taste may signal potentially harmful poisonous compounds. So when our sour and bitter taste receptors are activated in the mouth or on the tongue, they can send a signal to the brain of satiety, fullness, and maybe even aversion or nausea and vomiting so that we can stop eating or so that we can remove those compounds from the body via vomiting. So the sour and bitter taste receptors have been thought of as the bodyguards to stop us from consuming potentially bad things. Now today in our food supply, sour and bitter things are not harmful to us. But back more than 100 years ago when we were still foraging for food, this was a very important survival mechanism. So along the same lines, if the bitter taste receptors exist in the mouth to act as gatekeepers or bodyguards, preventing us from eating harmful things, scientists thought that the bitter taste receptors may also exist in the lungs as bodyguards for things that we could inhale in the air. Now, much of this work is pioneered by the scientist Robert J. Lee. For example, in 2009, scientists realized that the bitter taste receptors in the lung may promote the defense system of the lungs. The lungs contain specialized cells called cilia. Now, cilia can move, and they actually move in a way that is called beat or to beat in order to clear the airways from bacteria, viruses, fungi, and mucus. Now, when the cilia beat, it helps bring the mucus up to the mouth so that it can be removed from the airways. These cilia cells in the lung express bitter taste receptors. And when bitter compounds have been added to these lung cells, the cilia increase their beating frequency, suggesting that bitter compounds may help the airways clear potentially dangerous inhaled substances that in the mouth would taste bitter. Scientists also noted that the bitter compounds could help the lungs kill bacteria. How, you may ask? 
Well, the bitter compounds caused the lung cells to produce nitric oxide, which is one of the defenses our lungs use to kill bacteria. What is really fascinating too is it turns out that bacteria release compounds that are also bitter. So if there are bacteria in the presence of lung cells, the bitter taste receptors can also be activated in this regard. So let me give an analogy to help explain this. The bitter taste receptors are like bloodhound dogs that are used to find lost hikers in the forest, right? Bloodhounds have a really good sense of smell. So a lot of the times bloodhound dogs are used as part of a rescue team to help find people. And the, let's say in this regard, the bloodhound dogs are helping to find hikers that are lost in a forest. So the bloodhound dogs are like the bitter taste receptors and the bacteria in our lungs are like the lost hikers. Let's say the hikers took a wrong turn. They don't belong where they are in the forest. Likewise, the harmful bacteria took a wrong turn and do not belong in our lungs. The lost hikers in the forest are leaving behind a trail of footprints and as well a scent, which the bloodhound dogs are picking up on. Likewise, the bacteria leave behind a trail of bitter compounds in our airways, which our bitter taste receptors will detect. Likewise, once the bloodhound dogs signal to the rescue team where to find the lost hikers, the rescue team can take care of the situation. Similarly, once the taste receptors detect the trail of bitter compounds that have been released by the bacteria, then the lungs can release nitric oxide to target the bacteria. This is why the bitter taste receptors in the lung have been coined the gatekeepers or bodyguards of the lung. Essentially, they are there to act as the defense system to both detect and signal for help or to signal for backup in order to treat an infection. So if this is the case, what does this mean for us and our respiratory health? Well, Robert Lee and others noted that we as humans have some differences in our genetics and how we code for the different bitter taste receptors. So what does this mean? Well, apparently some of us are super tasters, meaning we more easily detect bitterness, and some of us are non-tasters, meaning that we are less sensitive to bitterness. Now, if bitter detection is part of the immune response to invading bacteria, then these same genetic variations may also create differences and the way people combat infections. Now, increased sensitivity to bitterness may mean that someone has greater protection against respiratory infections, whereas lower bitter taste functioning may increase susceptibility. This was their hypothesis. So in 2014, Nathan and colleagues tested this theory. They studied a population of individuals that were either identified as super tasters or non-tasters. Now, super tasters did get respiratory infections. They were not immune to it, but they did have a much lower frequency of respiratory infections versus non-tasters. How much a lower frequency? About three times lower. More specifically, when the scientists recruited over 400 people, only 8% of those that were coined super tasters had developed chronic rhinosinusitis or chronic respiratory issues. Whereas 26% of the non-tasters battled with chronic rhinosinusitis or chronic respiratory issues. 
So those that were coined as super tasters or that were more sensitive to bitter compounds or bitter taste seemed to be less likely to develop chronic respiratory issues. So then this begs the question, can bitter compounds be used to help with respiratory illness? Well, this has been studied in experimental models of asthma. For example, Nayak last year in the journal Frontiers in Physiology wrote a review on this topic. In experiments where asthma is modeled in preclinical models, applying bitter compounds like denatonium benzoate or saccharin, they were able to induce relaxation to smooth muscle cells and to prevent smooth muscle cell proliferation. Now this is really key as asthma is hallmarked by airway constriction because of many reasons, including smooth muscle cell proliferation and contraction. So when the airways constrict, it makes it harder for someone to breathe. Now let me walk you through one of the hallmark studies on this topic so far to gain a better understanding. Sharma and colleagues in 2017 in the journal Scientific Reports conducted a series of experiments to test if inhalation of bitter compounds could treat asthma in preclinical models. So in mice that had asthma, the scientists created an aerosol spray that contained the bitter compounds chloroquine and quinine. The scientists treated the mice by essentially giving them an inhalation of the bitter compounds. The scientists noted remarkable improvements to the airways, including dilation of the airways by about 50%, inflammation reduced by about 40%, there was a reduction in the remodeling of airways by about 50%. And also there was a reduction in mucus in the airways by about 50%. So all of these things are seen as great improvements to respiratory health in this mouse model of asthma. The scientists noted that pre-treatment with the bitter compounds prior to exposure to the allergens was more effective than treatment after exposure to the allergens. However, treatment even after exposure to the allergens was quite good. So are there any clinical trials investigating this, investigating bitter compounds for respiratory health? Sadly, not yet. I searched several databases, including clinicaltrials.gov. Now, clinicaltrials.gov is a website where all the clinical trials are supposed to be registered, and it is accessible to everyone. So if you want to look at any clinical trials, I'll put the website in the description box if you are interested. But I have yet to see clinical research on the inhalation of bitter compounds as potential treatments for respiratory illnesses. So far, the data on bitter taste receptors and respiratory health is limited to cell culture and animal studies. And I hope that the clinical research will come out very soon because I think it is a really promising field of research. Now, as I was preparing this episode, I couldn't help but think about COVID-19 and lung health and bitter taste receptors. And I really didn't want to talk about COVID-19, but I felt like some of you listening right now may have been thinking about this and maybe had questions about bitter taste receptors and COVID-19. So I wanted to just very briefly address it. My short answer is there just really isn't any data. And importantly, COVID-19 is a virus and a lot of the research on bitter taste receptors and lung health has been looked at in regard to bacteria, not viruses. Most of the preclinical data on bitter compounds for lung health have been investigated in bacterial infections and airway allergies, like in allergenic asthma. 
Now, in regard to COVID-19, there was one study that looked at 100 people with COVID-19, and they tried to see if non-tasters or people that were less sensitive to bitter compounds, if they were more susceptible than super tasters. Though sadly, this study was not of great quality, and I think it had some methodology issues with it. So it really left me without being able to conclude anything true. So essentially, bitter taste receptors have not been investigated in the context of COVID-19. But do you remember when there was a bunch of attention given to a drug called hydroxychloroquine in the treatment of COVID-19? Now, the results on whether or not taking hydroxychloroquine, if it has been helpful or not, is, it's just really not clear at this point. But a similar drug, chloroquine, is indeed a bitter compound that can activate bitter taste receptors. The thing that I think physicians have done incorrectly in regard to COVID-19 is how they administered chloroquine. Now, chloroquine is typically taken by mouth in pill form, and this is how they used it in regard to treating patients with COVID-19. In this regard, hydroxychloroquine may not have an impact on the lungs. In the animal study I just shared with you in this episode in scientific reports, the scientists put chloroquine in a nasal spray or aerosol and administered it to the mice in this way. This is how I think a clinical trial should be conducted for respiratory illness. Because if the bitter taste receptors are important in the, in the immune response of the lungs, then activating these taste receptors with bitter compounds may have an effect on the immune response in the airways. But the best way to target the bitter taste receptors in the lungs is through inhalation of bitter compounds, not by taking it by mouth. However, I must stress that this has not been tested. We do not have a good understanding of how inhaled bitter compounds can impact us. There was one study that I found on clinicaltrials.gov that was just conducted this past summer in 40 people to see if inhaled hydroxychloroquine was safe. But the scientists have yet to publish the data, so we have no idea if it is safe or what kind of side effects we can expect. So I have to stress, do not try to inhale bitter compounds at home. It is possible that if the compounds you are inhaling are not sterile, or if they are irritants, they could make things much worse and could damage our lungs. The doses, the form, the preparation, everything has to be tested and done properly for the bitter compounds to be inhaled. And it is imperative that scientists test this out first in order to determine side effects, potential risks, and to see if it is even effective. But I do think that in the next several years, we will see a lot more data come out on bitter compounds as potential treatments to promote respiratory health and as a treatment for chronic respiratory issues like asthma or COPD. This is what I love about science. It gives us hope that we will have better treatments one day soon. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army. In episode 82, I discuss bitter taste receptors as our gatekeepers or our bodyguards. Through evolution, it was thought that the bitter taste receptors existed to signal to our brain the presence of potentially harmful compounds. It was only about 10 years ago that scientists realized the bitter taste receptors are expressed outside of the mouth and indeed are expressed in the airways. The scientists were confused because obviously the airways are not coming into contact with food. So why are the taste receptors here in the airways? 
It turns out that the bitter taste receptors in the airways do a similar job as they do in the mouth, and that is detect and signal the presence of potentially harmful compounds. Remember the analogy I gave? The bitter taste receptors in the lungs are like the bloodhounds that detect the footprint that bacteria leave behind. The bitter taste receptors can induce an immune response by increasing cilia beating, which helps eliminate mucus, as well as produces more nitric oxide to kill bacteria. In preclinical models of chronic respiratory illness like asthma, inhalation of bitter compounds helped alleviate symptoms and reduced detrimental remodeling of airways. So it's very, very promising research, and I think that this area is going to grow dramatically in the next few years. However, these data are limited to cell culture and animal studies. I hope that soon these hypotheses will be tested in humans so that new treatment strategies targeting the newly detected bitter taste receptors can be generated. So that is it for today, my People Scientist Army. I hope you enjoyed this interesting episode. I try my best to give actionable topics for the podcast, like topics where you can add something to your daily routine to make you healthier. But today's episode was more of an interest piece to show you the foundation of science, and where the future treatments will go in the next few years. So that is it for today, my People Scientist Army. If you by chance are listening on Apple Podcasts, would you be open to taking a quick moment to give me a rating and review so that I and others can know what you think of the show? Please make sure to follow me on social media because some people ask to see the papers that I cite in each episode And on my social media, that is where I share some of the key papers that I cite in each episode. So I hope you all have a healthy and wonderful week. And I look forward to meeting you back here the same time and same place next week on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.